Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Crack Podcast. What's up, y'all? This is Demarcus from The Crack Podcast. Check out part two with Robbie Rogers. Robbie, I got to ask you, because <laughs> leading up to this, this today, I was like, you know what? I heard about All-American, but I never watched it. So like four days ago, I started watching season one. Yeah, and find myself six in the morning still watching this show, <laughs> and I'm I'm like, yo, how come I didn't know about this, and how come nobody told me Robbie was a part of this? Like, funny, how do you get that's into a lot of, that's uh, is a lot of people that you know kind of hear about it but don't necessarily watch it, and then when they start watching it, they realize it's like so much more than just about like football or you know it's very soapy and there's all the love triangles and you like want him to end up with like Olivia or Layla and like you know you're torn through all that stuff and then all the secrets. Um, so I got involved in just like production and producing and storytelling my first year with the galaxy. There was these two producers that came to me to do a comedy that was like loosely based off my life, but it was like a half hour about like this gay soccer player that comes out and like, but has no idea how to be gay. Like never, you know, I know this sounds weird, but like never been on first date, never went to a bar, never, it was like, well, that's, that is true. Like I had never done all those things. So you're having to do that as like a full grown ass adult like you know imagine if you're going on your first date with a girl you know as a 20 something year old you're like, you're like, awkward you're supposed to yeah. it's like it's like that uh 40 year old virgin movie exactly, exactly. So, bees are so still awkward though robbie bees are still <laughs> so we sold this project to um abc and they were they were they were at universal so i, I just loved it so much and started to work with them on a few things uh started work with my boyfriend at the time who's now my husband on a few things and i've just so you got more and more into, you know, the idea of just like storytelling and, and being able to affect people who are sitting in front of their TVs in a very like emotional way. It was just very exciting to me. And I kind of love that. So I'd met Spencer Pacinger through one of my best friends and he kind of told me about his career and his story. And I was like, this is just, I really connected with like the outsider vibe of oh, like, you know, he was, he was between Beverly Hills and, and uh, South Los Angeles and, Kind of when he left, when he left Crenshaw, they were like, you know, you're a sellout. You're going to Beverly Hills. And then when he's in Beverly Hills, they're like, you know, you're from, you you're know, not one of us. You're not one of us. So right, right. It was like back and forth. So I kind of felt like that as a as a gay man, and as and as at times as a soccer player, like, am I one of these guys? But I'm not, and I'm I don't really feel comfortable, you know, around gay men. So like, where am I? So I that was my initial connection to it. And so I got home, and I was just telling Greg, my husband, about like it's such a great idea. I think it'd be such a cool show. And then we started to develop. We found a great writer and we found, you know, uh, Rob Hardy, uh, director of the pilot. And we yes. just put a great team together. Um, Did you have any kind of influence in the story, any of the storylines or any of the... Yeah, other? I mean, with all the, with the whole pitch and everything, I worked with a girl named April Blair and we came up awesome. with the whole idea. Nice, That's now, huge, Robbie. Wow. Yeah. It's been really fun. It's been really fun. I've learned a lot. But now we have uh, Nketchi Okoro Carroll, who's this incredible showrunner. Um, and she has really, you know, just kind of taking the mantle and led the way. And so now we're, we're breaking 
episodes six and seven for our season three. We've been doing Zooms, like Zoom yeah. right rooms, and I think we'll start shooting again in uh, September. October. I mean, depending on COVID, I mean, who knows? But I think September, October, we'll start shooting. Listen, Robbie. I, I, I dabbled into a little acting last year. So if you need a, <laughs> oh, sorry, shit. a Here we go. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, hey, I, I could I definitely a, I be I get a text from Bo. I get a text from Bo. Oh, Bo, yes. Oh, Bo, no. definitely. He's been <laughs> dying. Like, yeah. I'm like, I would love to. I just don't know. Like, it's the roles are so specific. And, but hey, if an opportunity comes up, I'll let you know. Mo I'll wants to be Mo, no. Yo, Robbie. Mo, Mo, Mo wants to be the next Denzel Washington. I'm just saying. <laughs> no, I can tell. I wish I could help him out. Robert, I'm going to tell you right now, I do not want to see Gooch on the big screen. Oh, damn. <laughs> I do not want to no. see his ass on those what, screens. What's wrong with me? I'm like the no, next yeah. Smith. Yeah, I'm hating. No, you're not. No, you're oh. not. Stop it. But, hey, Robbie, so I, I got to – and I say this with – and I say this with, you know, so much respect, but I almost wanted to cancel this show today. And you know why? Do you know why? No, tell me. Because <laughs> – because, so You know because, why? <laughs> because I was watching All-American. Yo, I can't stop it. I can't. I literally can't stop watching it. Awesome, like I literally, when we get done, when we get done, when we get done taping, I'm going straight back to watch All American. The show is crazy, man. Good. I'm so happy you guys. You know, there's there's an incredible team of people, um, and the writers' room is like it's just. I was saying to you know, we've there's there's been so much going on that's really like opened our eyes, all the writers, you know, it's going all the racial injustice and yeah. brutality. And I just like sent all of our writers. It's a very, very diverse writers room. And I was like, I don't, I didn't want to like say like, Hey guys, how are you doing? Everything. I just, I wrote them an email just being like, I'm, I feel very lucky to be in this writers room, which is so diverse because we have these conversations every day for the past three years. And um, it's been so uh, educational for me and interesting. And, and it's such a safe place. The writers room to talk about like, Hey, I am a gay white, man from Palos Verdes who was told not to go to Crenshaw Crenshaw or whatever. But now I'm learning in this room, like just the nuance of our differences and similarities. And so I've just been extremely blessed to be on that show and to work on Crenshaw is a real neighborhood and you have great people there as well. Let me ask you a question because I I watched every episode full. uh, I'm a big time supporter, but um, I feel like season two took a different spin. Is Is there a different type of writer? Cause I, for me, as no, a black we, male, yeah, it was the same writers' room. Okay. Don't it's don't true. ruin it yet, though. I yeah. haven't got, I haven't got oh, it. Yeah, don't, yeah, don't, <laughs> I haven't got that far yet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, the story, the story um, organically moves and shifts, and yeah, you know, we try to use Spencer as an inspiration for for a lot of the episodes, or you know, kind of intertwine his story because, of course, we have to take kind of our creative liberties so that it's uh it's television you know it's entertaining, but um no, it's the same group of people, same group of people for season three. Um, so the, I mean, I don't want to read it for Gooch, but I'm really, really excited for season three just because of the ending of season two. Yeah, and, sorry, Gooch, I'm like trying to talk yeah, about yeah. it. <laughs> 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 get out of here, right? We're <laughs> in new locations. We get to like it's really, you know, we were kind of we were we so were invested in like what's going on in Beverly Hills, and now we get to um, be invested really in like Spencer's uh, life. Uh, yeah. 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 So yeah. Stop, stop. It's, um, <laughs> yeah, so if I, if I ruin the story and the plot, um, have you guys got an extension, um, uh, for more seasons yet? Um, has that yeah, come to so we, 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 we have at least one more season. So, okay. So you still got a four, a four, se- four season deal. Our third, so our third season. And then, um, we're doing, I think 20 episodes. Um, which is a lot. I know <laughs> 16 last year. So yeah, 20 episodes. I mean, as long as COVID lets us, I don't know what's going to happen. But, um, and then I assume we'll have a season four. It's been doing so well. I think it was one of the- Ride, ride that wave with COVID, buddy. 
Right that way with COVID right now. Ain't nobody doing anything besides Netflix. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's been, I mean, it's pretty crazy how many people watch the show because of, you know, COVID and Netflix. So definitely the reason that, that was definitely uh, one of the, the highlights of my um, quarantine experiences is watching All American, man. But so here's my biggest thing. I'm so excited that you brought that. You met this gentleman, Spencer, and you brought this to the table um, to all the rest of the producers. Um, but I feel that there is not enough representation of soccer in america in a in a good light right when you watch espn they speak about soccer they always like try to joke it or if it's not because because they don't know much about it and um when you see a soccer player on a tv show or soap opera or something like that um it's always like a, a, a chubby kid with big shin guards on you know what i mean it's never like <laughs> it's never like the stud like how you were growing up how beasley and, and gooch were right popular in school yeah. popular with friends and also was a hell of a soccer player um mm -hmm. i'm so excited now you're in this field i know you're gonna help and make that change you know yeah i mean and i don't think it's a it's not really a secret so i can talk about it but um i'm developing a show do you guys know jorge villafana and his story yeah i, I don't know a story I, I don't know so fascinating so, so his mom literally you know while she was pretty much pregnant, like came over to the United States and had him here so he could be an American. And then mm -hmm. he went back to Mexico to kind of grow up and then came back when he was in high school and he entered a reality show competition with Chivas yes. USA yep. oh, wow. and won a competition and was offered a massive MLS contract of $700 a week, <laughs> $700 a month or whatever it is, you know, yeah. the, the developmental like shit money that you can mm -hmm. barely survive on or you don't surround it. He still support his family ended up, you know, playing for the U S national team. team. Yep. Never really knew his dad. He ended up like walking through the tunnel with like his mom's last name on his back. So I'm doing a show right now at Warner brothers and we'll be pitching it soon to like other places Amazing. that is based off his life. And it's a reality show competition about this boy, slightly like all American, you know, he's, there's a lot of the same kind of discussions that we can have about race and socioeconomics and like the American dream, what it means for some people. Does it still exist? Yeah, uh, I want to be like you when I grow up. Yeah, straight up, man. I'm getting, I'm getting, I'm getting, I'm getting, I'm getting inspired just listening. Shit. Really fascinating story. So we're just working on it now and, and working with a writer who is like a Mexican, Mexican American. And um, so we'll see. Oh, we have this great director who his dad used to play. Uh, his name's Marco Sega. He, uh, he's done a bunch of shows you guys have watched, but his dad used to play with like Pele for like the Cosmos and there stuff. There you go. Nice. Uh, nice. But he's, so you can shoot it and like you know those exciting like Nike commercials where yes. it's like you are in it you have the music and the chain link mm -hmm. fence and like and it's not like this glossy you know weird wide shot of guys like walking around a soccer field but like <laughs> yeah. really intimate and then yeah. this emotional soapy story so we're working on that now um we'll see if someone buys it I think it's interesting I think it's very you know relevant to our time and like you said no one's really done it so Robbie, I'm gonna give a round of applause, man, because I like my round of applause button. And also, those, those, these things is big, man. I've been fighting for this so long for for this representation the right way. And, and for you yeah. at that, at yeah, the you remember a lot of people that buy these things, they don't have the same connection to you know things right. as we do. So definitely, right. definitely. Bro, Robbie, I wanted to to transition away from All American because I don't want no. you to ruin. I don't want you to ruin it. <laughs> I don't want you to ruin it for me just yet. But Emmy, there's one. Uh, there's a topic that I wanted to ask you. Um, because I've heard you speak about it, obviously, in the past a little bit, and um, I've heard interviews. And in a way, I, I can relate because of my upbringing. And you spoke about, you know, being brought up in a very Christian uh, household, right? And that had influence in regards to you coming out and everything. And I actually think I read somewhere that you're raising your children Jewish. I don't know if that's yeah. true or not. So I need you to kind of walk me through that, obviously. Yeah. And, 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 and there's a lot of different moving parts, right? Definitely. There, there are, you know, so I was, uh, 
raised in a very Catholic conservative family. Um, Palos Verdes is like a small Texas town in Los Angeles. It's like the only place that votes red. There's actually a Trump golf course there. Um, I don't know. So I, you know, from a very young age and going to Catholic school, going to, you know, modern day, you, you know, you go to, you have religion class every day and you just, you kind of, in some ways I, I really loved it. Like I love, uh, being able to go to church and, you know, whether you're spiritual, religious or whatever, like for me, I like to be able to like talk to God and be able to like right. have faith think of that, have faith. And like, there's greater, there's something bigger than me and all these things that I'm doing that we're talking about, like there's purpose to it. So I have always believed that. And I, mean, I don't really call myself, you know, Catholic or Christian, but I, I've now become just like a spiritual person. So that a lot of that was, was some of the positive stuff that came out of my childhood and being so involved, you know, church with the church, you know, and then, you know, there's the dark side of, I think a lot of us have like, whether you're gay or whatever, you have like Catholic guilt. Like my mom really struggled it with when she was going to get a divorce. Hmm. She's like so ashamed that she was on divorce that she was like, so, you know, she just like was so angry about it and so sad about it. And so, you know, like disappointed in herself that she had to herself. Yeah. Exactly. So, so I grew up with that my whole life of, you know, I'm gay. And if these people that I love know, I'm going to be like exiled from my family and the church. And they say all these, you know, horrible things are going to happen to me. So I really struggled with it until I kind of, I've, you know, kind of studied different religions and, and, um, and I'm kind of more just open now to a bunch of different possibilities, right. but, uh, until I kind of was like, you know, it doesn't need to just be this, whatever. How did, how did the Jewish part of raising your kids? How did that come so out? we, Greg and I really, again, because there's so many positives, I believe in like religion and being spiritual and faith, we wanted to raise them, uh, in a religion. And so they go to reform Judaism school. Mm-hmm which like one of their um, one of their teachers is like transgender and there's like men and women that are uh, rabbi. Like it's just more progressive. But what it does is it teaches them about community. It teaches them about, you know, the first inclusiveness, inclusiveness, yeah. the old Testament, asking questions, asking why you want to believe in this or why this story is this story real. What like just a really question faith and to learn about it and, and again like greg always makes fun of me like on netflix i'm always watching like a jesus <laughs> documentary or Bible but i'm so fascinated in the history and all the lessons i think those are important and you take from it i hope like what you need and 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 it's right. different for everybody so i hope that both of them are just interested in religion and ask the questions and uh find their own version of whatever their spirituality is but i do think it's important to just at least introduce it to kids Right. It's funny because like, obviously I grew up Catholic, very religious, very Catholic Sunday uh, mass every Sunday, you know, and when I heard that interview, I was like, wow, yeah, I can't imagine how he would be kind of scared to even come out to a person like his mother who he finds trust and confidence in. Right. And then when I actually heard when you came out, I I was in Spain at the time and I was like, I was reading the news. I was like, is this real? Like, I was like, I, cause I was like, I had no idea. I was like, Robbie, you know, nobody had any kind of, I, I had no clue. And then I always thought, I was like, do you, you know, cause you retired right, right after I was like, do you wish now looking back that you had come out earlier in your I career? Know. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I, again, as we speak about faith and things happening for a reason, like, of course, all this stuff had to line up for me to have, the courage to whatever and then retire and come back to LA. And so things would have worked out differently. I, I wouldn't change anything, but part of me does wish like, Oh, I wish I had the courage. Like what would it be like in college 
my freshman year if I would have like come out to my team like would if I was really good would have someone have signed me I think so but like would they have would I have been able to go to Heron Vane would would Bob would if he have called me up to the national team I think so but like I I just asked those questions and I part right. of me wishes that I had to do that all the ifs yeah so like it's hard to say yes I should have done this but I definitely think about it a lot and I I um I think like a lot of people would have supported me and I think a lot of people would have more quickly gotten like, Oh yeah, this is possible. Like, you know, did you, did you, when you retired right afterwards, was that in relation to that announcement or did you want to retire in general? I I thought that I can't, I can't play soccer if I'm gay. Mm. Like there's no way. The things I've heard in locker rooms, there's no chance I'm going to put myself in that locker room. That hurt. That that, that hurts to hear. Like you felt that way. You know what I mean? Like when I was at Leeds, I remember being on a on a bike. This was like after I was learning. I was the first time I learned about Justin Fashionu, who's like the most fascinating character to me. And he was the first. Like he played for uh, Norwich City and Nottingham uh, and a few other teams. Actually, a bunch of other teams. So he came out and he committed suicide later in his life. But he was also the first black footballer in England worth a million pounds just like such an interesting story. So I just learned about him on BBC and I was sitting at Leeds in our, you know, you have like lunch together and then we started riding the bike and I was sitting some, some guys that were just like talking about how disgusting it could be for men to love each other. Just the physical act of how disgusting that is. And this is, I'm obviously closet at the time. I've just learned about Justin fashion and him committing suicide and I'm at Leeds by myself. And you guys know how like, you know, isolating and like, you know, As it, it's just like, it takes so much just to be, to be, uh, totally comfortable situation, especially when you're new and trying to play and blah, blah, blah. So I was just like, fuck this. If I ever do come out, which I came out probably like eight months later, something like I'm definitely going to step away from this. Um, but you know, it was, it was who supported you in in that decision and and kind of you confined in before you made that decision. I just like came out to my family first family, some of my friends, uh, you know, people like you guys know, like Sasha and, uh, You know, some other people like that that I grew up with. Uh, one of my buddies, Andy Iroh. I don't know if you guys know him. Um, he played with me in Columbus, a few other places. Um, so I, I just shared it with like people really close to me. And I actually wasn't thinking of even sharing it in a more public way, to be honest. I r- had written something that sat on my computer for a few months. It like sat on my desktop. And I um, had told Leeds that I was retiring, that I was done. And I was slowly telling more and more people that I was gay. So I thought, you know, they would find out soon. Mm. And then uh, I felt like I was still kind of like hiding a secret, I guess. Mm. Like I'd be out at a bar and someone would be like, oh, you're right, you played at Leeds and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's me. And I'd like put my hat down a little bit. But yeah. so I was just like, you know, I'm going to come on. I was like, I'm going to just post this on my like Facebook and then like hopefully some people read it and then people stop asking me. Like literally. Yeah, log off. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I did. I shut my computer. I logged off and turned off my phone, but I didn't think it was going to be what it was. I didn't think I'd have the support that I had. I thought there might be some people would like kind of talk about it and maybe be an article and then it'd be over the next day and people would be like, all right, he's done. So I didn't realize um, that like people would be, I didn't realize that like it would be such a topic, I guess. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Do you, so you retired Retired out, out of fear of what would happen, and then out you of fear came, of yeah. you, you came back when you came to LA. Do you think you would have came out of retirement had it not been in LA, in such a uh, like a progressive city? You know what I mean? No. Yeah, and also my family close by, my family as well. So no, I definitely wouldn't have. And also Bruce was so supportive, and the way he handled it was great. And like Lannon would like text me, and I remember. So what happened was I came out to LA to get my student visa. <laughs> I was going to go back to London to go to London College of Fashion. I like. 
I had gotten to this course, to, this menswear design technology course. And so I got in, I like forced my way in because I had never been to art school. Yeah. At my, in London, I came back to LA to get my student visa. And Bruce is like, if you ever want to train or come watch training, like just stop by, like you are welcome here always. You want to come watch games. So I went to speak to a bunch of kids um, that are part of their GSAs, which are the gay straight alliances that like Nike had like had 500 kids come to campus and they're like, come speak to these kids. And again, this was me who knew nothing about being like, what kind of advice am I going to give these kids that are out in high school leading their organizations that are like fearless. Yeah, right? yeah. I spoke to these kids and I, and I, they're all asking questions and I literally didn't have that many answers for them. And I left and my agent was with me. He's, you know, Sean Higgins who was in Portland at the time. And I said to Sean, I was like, I think I just need to go train. Like I need to just go see if I can train and get through it mm. and see if like what's going to happen. So he called Bruce and Bruce was like, yeah, come on through. And so I was texting with Landon and he's at first was like, it's going to be weird at first, but then people will get over it. And then it was like the night before my first training land texted me. He's like, you know, Bruce talked to everybody and no one cares. <laughs> no one cares. So like, yeah. let's come. And I was still of course nervous for, you know, whatever. For personal reasons. Reason. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I got a shower with all these guys. What are they going to say to me? Are they going to like walk out of the shower when I walk in? I was like, fuck, I've been showering them my whole life. Like, I don't care, but are they going to care? Yeah. So that's what I was like, it, it, you know, everyone asked me, like, what are the scariest things? I was like, it's, it wasn't the state, like the stadium, like I don't give a fuck about the stadiums or the fans. It was like, how am I going to be treated in a locker room with guys that become brothers and family? Right. Yeah. 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 And how'd that go? Uh, any, was, any hiccups? No, not really. Like, okay. So you guys, you guys can, it's very different. Okay. But let me just, it's a little bit similar to like, you know, I think that let's say like racially, you know, sometimes we are not sensitive to the people that are around us. So if you've been in a locker room your whole life and you make, you know, gay jokes and whatever, then someone comes in and like, sometimes they're just like, they're more aware of what they're saying, but they're also like, they're a bit weird about it. Like mm-hmm. don't know what they, yeah, say. they don't know how to say it. Yeah. Yeah. They don't know how to say it. So I think you have like, yeah. I'm not, again, I'm not saying that we're the same in any way, but like, you know, all these white people and then you have like a black footballer or soccer player come in and it's like, they wanted everything to be cool, but like, they're not totally know how to do that. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean, it's like a yeah. little bit of this awkwardness and also like, and then eventually people would like break the ice and I make fun of like Alan Gordon for being straight. And then he makes fun of people being gay <laughs> and then we laugh yeah. to get on with it. But it was definitely the weird, like, you know, you just got to get used to what you're not used to. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and I, and I go back just to, I mean, not to go back to, to the show all American cause I'm just starting the, you know, episode uh, through episode two, but uh, even when he first went to Beverly Hills and you know, his, uh, he's, he's meeting his, his, his new teammates and you know, the white guy says, you know, so are you a crip or a blood? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like just, yeah. just things like that. I mean, just what you're talking about. I can see yeah. with that, how you relate. Yeah. I understand exactly what you mean. hundred percent. Yeah, and a lot of that stuff is best based really off Spencer's experience. So exactly, <laughs> when he tells us that stuff in the writers' room, you're just like, "That's crazy that people." Yeah. So, so he does have a lot of input, and it, it is closely based to his real life story. The show, a lot of it, a lot of the soapy stuff we've you yeah, know, manipulated, yeah. but a lot of it, um, you know, relationships and and all that stuff is. You can rob this. This the crack podcast. And we try to keep everything real, authentic. So I want to be real with you as a person who loves old American. The part I can't get over is, is uh, these bloods hanging out in a, um, a cafe shop in Crenshaw. I can't get over that shit. Yeah. I can't get over that. I can't. I, lo- I love. I love all American, but I can't get over that part. I will tell everyone that today. Uh, <laughs> funny, we so we shoot at uh, Venice Park, um, 
And the first season, so many times we shoot there, we get like 11, 12 o'clock at night because we do night shoots. Yeah. And like all these bloods would show up and pretty much be like, all right, we need $1,000. We're going to protect you, but you have to pay for our services. Wow. I'm like, all right, like, okay, yeah. so the money. And they'd like have coffee with us and they're super chill. And then eventually we have this little tiny line producer. Her name's Lorietta. And she was like, I'm not paying you guys anymore, but you can work for the show. But you can $1,000. This is ridiculous. So like now a few of the guys like actually work for the show. And they'll come to the right oh, so, oh. and give our stories and talk about like their experiences in Compton or in Crenshaw or whatever. And um, it's just so fascinating. It's crazy. Yeah, That's yeah, crazy. yeah, yeah, definitely. But we got to talk some soccer talk a little bit and, right. and, and, and your experience uh, a little bit. I, I guess we can talk about soccer. <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, who introduced you to the game? Um, I started playing just on the side of my sisters. Like everyone plays here in California. So yeah, I was okay. just you know, probably like three or four years old. AYSO was going on. I'd play on the sidelines. Um, but I didn't really get introduced to it until uh, the World Cup here. Columbia, USA, I was at that game. Wow. The Rose Bowl, and I was like, this is, this is crazy. Like, this is, I want to do this. And, and your experience with the U.S. national team, um, you know, do you think that you got what you deserve in terms of the call-ups, in terms of the caps? I mean, because again, you're my favorite player on this podcast right now. I hope you know that. Right? <laughs> he, he said it a couple times. Yeah, he did. He did. But, be, but keep uh, it real. It's the crack. Do you really yeah, feel that no, you got like, to I think I, um, you know, I think I wish I would have gone to the World Cup, Bob's, you know, the World Cup uh, when we had like preseason in Prince, uh, down in Princeton. I, yeah. I, I felt like I should have, you know, seized that opportunity and, and I think I like which year always, was which year was this? Sorry, I don't know. Two thousand ten. Two thousand ten. I like really wanted. I don't know if I should have or shouldn't have. Like it was, you know, Bob, you know, called up guys that he thought were gonna like. Who I really respect, by the way. Like he thought up guys that he got, but like Charlie was injured. And he brought a bunch of strikers. And he did that. Like I think it was kind of, um, you know, it was tough. But did, I, did Bob play favoritism? Like bringing no. on guys like Demarcus Beasley over you and stuff like that. Oh, shit. In those times, me and Bob wouldn't, wasn't seeing eye to eye. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Nah, yeah. I, was, I was in and out a lot. So. <laughs> yeah, and look at Like, of course, I think, you know, a lot of us thought, like, Sasha, all of us thought we should be on the team, but that right. doesn't mean we should have been on the team. But, you know, I think that Bob was a very honest coach and really tough. And, you know, I don't... I really respect him, you know, so, you know, I just thought like, Oh, that was my opportunity. I should have been more confident. I should have been more, um, I should have had like more swag. Like a lot of you guys did. Mm. I just didn't have that. I, I remember I, wow. I, I told you, I was like, man, dude, you have everything, Like, just be more confident in yourself. And I, just, I, like, I, kill. <laughs> I, I, I that person, you know, I think what makes you guys and certain guys special. And I always talk about this is like there is a natural killer instinct, like coolness, swag to you guys. And the same with Clint and the same, you know, oh maybe God. Landon didn't have it as much as he could have and he would have been even more incredible. But like there's guys that, you know, you watch a lot of these European players with all these guys that are really good and they walk into a locker room or walk onto a field and you, they feel like they belong. And it didn't matter how fast or technical or whatever, and I remember, which I love the game, I just never quite had that confidence. And so... It's just, it's not something that you can teach. Mm, so, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, mean I, I remember coming into that, you know, in, into that camp and I was on the outskirts, you know what I'm saying? Because yeah. I had, yeah I, I'm, yeah, I had, you know, in January, this is when I was at Rangers. In January, I had um, 
you know, I had a good couple, couple, couple months that were really good score and assist and whatever. But then I got injured, and then basically the last three months before that camp, uh, I didn't play. You know, I did, I, I didn't, I, I maybe played maybe what three games or something like that. So, you know, for me going to that camp, my mindset was, this is it. You know, this is this yeah. is this this is it. I mean, I got, I'm I'm, on, I'm not a you know for sure you know spot with the national team. I gotta you know I, I gotta. You know, like you said, have that killer instinct, have that have that mindset that you know this is it. This is going to be my my third world cup. I'm not letting this slip through my fingers. And mm. you know, I went, so my mindset going into there was like, okay, I, I'm I'm outside looking in, but this is not going to let you know. I'm not going to let this slip, yeah. slip, slip, slip. And, and to be honest, like you guys had it, and, and I can go back. There's a number of American players, but like I think it's one thing that Americans lack. Yes. Mm. Like, you know, guys go to Europe and they get scared. And you see them play in the MLS. I know the quality, you know, it's not always, can't always compare it. But, like, some good players in the MLS. And it's not easy to play in Houston in the middle of summer, you yeah. know, it's whatever. But, like, so the the quality, I feel like, is there in a lot of guys. But, like, I do think a lot of us lack this, like, natural swag killer instinct. And, you know, Bob talked about it. Bruce kind of talks about it. Jurgen even, you know, he talks about it. But, like, <laughs> 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 I guess he's not a fan. I'm not huge huge fans of certain people, but it's very true. And so, you know, I don't know how you instill that in young players. Does Spencer have it? Spencer, yeah. Hey, there's all of our other sports, we have it. Basketball, football, baseball, all these guys. So so what's the difference between that and soccer? I don't know. The difference is the the dominant sport is in this country, whereas in 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 soccer – the dominant is outside but, in Europe. I think what, 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 what Bees was saying, like he had, he had to make it. And I think that's what yeah. Spencer, the character, as well as in real life, he feels he had to make it. His family's, um, um, you know, lifestyle is on his shoulders. Um, yeah. He has no plan B, and maybe our culture for soccer in America is too much plan B and C's. Wow. In Europe, France, any other country, you know, some of those guys, this is like, this is what I want to do. I know I want to do this from 14, 16 years old. I want to be a professional soccer player. There's no other Wouldn't choice. you think that's a blessing and a curse, though? Exactly. Like, yeah. it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's an advantage and it's an opportunity to have more than one. And that's what, heavy, that's what, and that's yeah. what Europe kind of envies us about, that we can go to college and still become a pro. But then we're trying to change our culture to become more like Europe. So it's kind of a catch-22, right? What's the real right thing to do? You know? Yeah, and we all have, we, we, you know, if Caleb wanted to play soccer, I'd be, I would be nervous for him to just sign and go to an academy. I'd almost still want him to try to get an education, and so right. yeah, it is, it is a tough balance. Tough balance, man. Tough. Robbie, balance. I, I, I got a qu- quick question, and this is off topic, and we don't yeah. have to spend a lot of time. Somebody said this to me a long time ago, before you got married, obviously. So I hope your husband doesn't get offended. <laughs> they, they said, they said, they go. They go, yo, Robbie is like Brad Pitt in LA. Hot commodity, <laughs> hot commodity. Everybody's going after him. I need to know, understand what it was when you first came out and like you were getting all that attention. Were you just like lucky? He had no DMs. Like, you're, you're, yeah, 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 yeah. Your phone was going off the hook. Tell I me. honestly did not feel that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, from your face expression, uh, doesn't like you. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't um, knocking him down, Robbie. <laughs> I um, I didn't really. I'm not the kind of person like oh, yeah. I uh, kind of fall in love with someone after I have like five or six dinners with them and get to know them. So um, I'm never, again, I was saying to you guys, like I, I never go on like first dates or like any of those things. I never was like just doing like one night stands. So, you know, I, it didn't change when I came out and um, you know, of course there's just random people that hit you up, but it's kind of, 
was so busy with like trying to get fit and trying to make Bruce happy and trying to stay healthy and trying to do like uh, whatever press the MLS wanted me to do that like everything else was kind of a blur. And it wasn't really until my second year that I was able to totally enjoy it when I was like, all right, I need to just like calm down. And that was like the year we won the championship again. And it was just like, there was enough like noise going on with like, was this going to be lands last year? And is this Robbie's this year that like, I could kind of like just settle into the, like all the other press that like, I wasn't having to focus totally on myself. Definitely. Um, so I, I didn't really, to be totally honest, I didn't really experience that. I didn't experience like those people reaching out and if they did, they were, they were hitting up, you know, the wrong phone number. <laughs> <laughs> they, they got to ignore her for sure. <laughs> yeah, my other phone. Yo, speaking of soccer and, you know, winning career or winning titles and playing with Landon and Bruce, what in your whole soccer career, what was your most memorable, I guess, moment, achievement, whatever you want to throw in there? Um, I mean, just purely soccer was probably winning the championship in 2014. Just when we won 2008, I wasn't, I didn't totally, I didn't really like, I couldn't totally enjoy it with my family. I was still like hiding such a secret and wasn't totally myself. So we won with Columbus, but in Los Angeles in 2008. And then 2014, we won again in LA, but with LA. And it was just weird how similar but different they were and how different I was emotionally to be able to like just enjoy that with everyone. Like, after I went in 2008, I went home to my parents' house in Huntington Beach and I sat on my bed and just like went to bed. And I was like, this, it was depressing. I was like, if this is it, like I'm not... I don't feel like. All right, what'd wow. you do in 2014? We had a f- huge party and there I danced all night and had so much fun and then had to like fly to New York. Like, like, it was so much fun and I got to totally enjoy it with everybody, my family. And I like cried and I was emotional and I just could be there with all the guys on the team and just totally be present. So, Yo, Ra- oh, go ahead, Robbie. I was going to say, walking out the U.S. Olympics was cool. <laughs> yeah. Now I'm going to say, Annette. I think it was 2014. Was that that after party? Was that at some huge? Uh, was like an at an auditorium or like a stadium or something? It was. I, I think I was there. Yeah, Why would be Because that's when you guys beat Houston, right? No, no that, that was the, that was after. That was like years before that. Oh, you were, okay, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay, so I went to that one then. Yeah, He's yeah. always at the party. He's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I went to the after party. Yeah, I remember that. I do remember that. Nah, nah, Kabiz, you was there for um, a, uh, yeah, the sponsorship situation. Right? Yeah, yeah sponsorship. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I think yeah, they had it that. in um, LA Live. Remember that? That's what it was. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah, what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that was thirteen. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But listen, it was. Uh, I think it was twelve. Was it twelve? Yeah. But listen, Rob, I'm I'm old, man. I just want to I just want to make sure everybody realizes. Woo. <laughs> I was still I was only 36 then. <laughs> well, thank you. Well, thank you, Rob, for taking the time, man. Again, uh, um, you know, you're such a better player than these two guys on the podcast. Um, um you you're definitely such a hater. Such a you're hater. definitely a legend in this game, not because you came out, all right, because of what you accomplished on the field. And then uh, I know from from college playing with Kwame and Mo and those fools and winning championships in Maryland. Um, who you are and, and, and what you're establishing as a U.S. soccer player, man. So you just want to say thank you so much for everything you've done. And the trailblazing, you will continue as a producer. But um, <laughs> these guys get mad at me. I always have one last wait, wait. question. What I, do you, I got a question before your last question. Okay, go ahead. Oh, goodness gracious. <laughs> no, 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 you know, let the man get off the podcast. Let him get off. This is personal. This is personal. Let him get off. This is personal. He's got business to do. Robbie used to make beanies. And I want one of them beanies. Oh <laughs> I, think I, still have, I think I still have them. They're so they're you really cool. Look, 
He gave me one back in the day. I was like, I still got it. I was like, yeah, I need to get one of these again. I know. I love those. Robbie, what are you taking from in Columbus? Columbus. (laughs) (laughs) What are you taking from the field into the boardroom, into the writer's room, into being a producer? What what, what? Um, I mean, definitely, uh, you know, hard work. And I mean, there's there's all these like cliches and cheesy things I can say to people, but it's so true. Like athletes, we work our asses off even when we're sick or injured or exhausted and jet lagged. So that's definitely one thing. And then, uh, I, one thing I wish I could get rid of a little bit is com- being competitive. Yeah. <laughs> ah, don't, get, don't get rid of that. Yeah. Um, I, I, it's, it's, to a, it's, it's to a point where I'm like, you know, it's pilot season. I'm reading everyone's scripts to see if our down. So Gooch competes on every day on this show. I mean, it could be the microphone. It could be the, the way your shirt fits. I mean, I mean, do you see? Do you see the negative energy from Mookie always directed at me for no reason? It's light skin. He's, he's, he's mad. He's not the only light skin on this podcast. <laughs> Yo, Robbie, again, man, thank you so much, man. Um, thank again, you, Robbie. Get the best it, of luck. Appreciate it, man. Uh, I, uh, I love this, and it, um, it's flattering. I don't feel that way about myself, so it's cool to hear you guys. Um, now you know, brother. Yeah, you know, all the questions and everything. So thank you so much. Uh, man, nah, man, thank you. you, man. Appreciate it. Take care. Okay. All right, Robbie. Peace. Oh, Yo. Man. Yo, I did, I was so it was dope for me to find, to realize that he's the one who brought the project um, right to his staff. I mean, yeah, you know that shows. I, I I keep it real. I thought that he was just you know um, maybe his uh, his husband thought because he's a former athlete for him to be a part right. of it. But for him to have the, the, the thought process and to realize, um, to see this through and want to, and yeah. it's a good, a good show. He, so he, he says he didn't have the, I guess the, the swag or the push or whatever, but it seems like he's been knocking doors down. Like he got yeah. into the fashion school, had no fashion background producer, right. had no background. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, and now, and now he's about to, you know, um, how do you say that in, in, in Hollywood life? He's about to go go pitch. Go pitch, go, yeah. Go yeah. pitch his go pitch his new yeah. project. New project. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So yeah. that's that's wicked. And the fact that you know it's a soccer story that Mookie, what you talked about, that you know, there's not a lot of soccer stories out there about real, you know, um, real, real shit that uh, people went through. Um, so I think that's pretty cool with, with him what he's doing with Jorge. Hey, you think Goose got a chance? To, um, Zero. <laughs> <laughs> if Mono got a chance, because Mo is serious about the situation. I'm sure Mo oh, takes him every week. If Mono got a chance, Gooch, man, unless. Hey, hey, I, hey, get, hey. I, get, I guarantee Mo probably still be in the mirror looking at himself. He's like, with his little scripts. Yeah, script. with his little scripts. Like, so, hey, when, hey, when Robbie call him, we'll be ready. Yeah. <laughs> Mo right now is catching footballs, waiting for Spencer character to get hurt so he can take over that role. <laughs> Big shouts to Mo and Dude, baby. Oh, uh, but. Mo loves that stuff, man. But listen, man, um, you know, uh, Bees, make sure you go watch the rest of All American. Oh, yeah. And again, I'm going to keep it real. I think season two is, is a little bit more watered down. All right, man. We heard you the first time. Let's get through season one. First. My bad. You're yeah, right. Yeah, please. You're right. You're right. You're stop right. stop right. talking so I can go watch All American. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, man. Thank you so much for everybody for tuning in to uh, and, and, and me and these characters, Demarcus Beasley and Gucci, Gucci and Yewu. Um, I hope you get a chance to uh, listen to our previous episodes. Uh, my favorite episode so far is Solomon Kalu, which is number five and six. So make sure you go um, listen to both and um, make sure you subscribe right to YouTube. Uh, make sure you hit that like button. Also, make sure you subscribe to our iTunes or if you're an Android person like myself, Spotify. And make sure you tell Demarcus Beasley to get a haircut. All right. <laughs> Much love. y'all. It's all good. <laughs> Much love. Peace.
Peace. Peace. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. So, you've got an idea for a business. The store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out. Everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media, source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. 